Hey, everybody, and welcome to Learning from Smart People. I am your host, Rob Oliver, and joining me today is T.W. Brock. He is the oldest son of William Brock. He's got a website that is justiceforbrock.com, and he's got a He's got a really interesting story. I think it's something that will open all of our minds. It's something that gives us something to think about. TW, I appreciate you joining me on the show today. Absolutely. And thank you for having me. My pleasure, my friend. Listen, let's let's start right here. Tell me about your dad. This is kind of your passion. This is what you're working on. Tell me about your parents. Tell me about kind of like your backstory, if you don't mind. Not at all. My father was uh, William Bryant Brock. He was the most prominent minority executive at the former Volkswagen plant out in New Stand, Pennsylvania. Uh, the official story is that he committed suicide uh, on January the 8th of 1983. But everyone who worked at the plant uh, and everyone, his family members, uh, knew uh, that he did not commit, know that he did not commit suicide. He was actually murdered. Uh, he was, uh, I'll give you the story behind him first. And then I'll go into uh, where I came, how I came to uh, to know these things. My father was recruited by Volkswagen uh, in, 19, in, in 1977 uh, to, clean, to clean up the racism at, at that former plant. They hired him initially as an EEOC coordinator, which means his job was to hire and fire. So initially he began hiring from the minority community. And then the company tells him flat out, don't worry about the other blacks. We're going to take good care of you. Uh, but my father, what you see, was a man of integrity. Prior to going to work for them, he worked for the Pennsylvania Human Relations Commission. Therefore, he knew the employment laws. And there was really nothing they could do about his hiring practices. Because back in those days, they didn't have what you call at-will states where they could fire you at will. Um, you had to have a paper trail to fire someone. So what I understand is that they actually uh, promoted him uh, to vehicle shipping coordinator, which means his new job was to map out the cheapest route to get the product from the plant to every dealer in the United States, including Hawaii. I guess they figured a 27-year-old minority with no training in that area wouldn't do too well. We see if they'd done their homework prior to promoting him, they would have discovered that he taught probability and statistics in college as a hobby. And from what I understand, most teachers, most instructors, uh, most professors struggle to teach those very subjects. He taught it as a hobby because, you know, he, he, he knew numbers in his head. He would do numbers in his head that most people require calculated for. Sure. Therefore, uh, I beg your pardon. Well, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. It, just to let you know, when you say probability and statistics, it, it hits home with me. When I was in college in my undergrad, I was a teaching assistant for psychological um, statistics. And, you know, so that's, you're right in my wheelhouse. And that, it's a very interesting fact, you know, this is what his, his background is. And they actually are, instead of putting him in a position to fail, they're putting him in a position that actually plays to his strengths. Exactly. <laughs> so he, from what I understand, he actually ended up saving the company several million dollars a month. That got him featured in the Wall Street Journal, the Boston Globe, the New York Times, the Philadelphia Inquirer, Jet, Ebony, and every other major magazine you could think of. So the Germans overseas loved him. They actually gave him a private jet to fly him back and forth to Germany, a company car, and three secretaries at the age of 27. 
He was actually writing speeches for the vice president of Volkswagen at 27 years old. Wow. So what I understand is, is the, the Germans at the plant, they hated his guts because everything they did backfired in their face. So from what I understand, the blacks formed a caucus and made my father president and spokesperson. And while he was negotiating for the company to make concessions for other blacks, you know, better positions, more money, less discrimination, uh, the, the company would agree to certain terms behind closed doors. But then when my father would call a general meeting, they would deny those terms. We didn't say that. That's not true. He lied to you. And the unfortunate thing, Brother Rob, is that it's been my unfortunate experience that many blacks have a hard time sticking together. So the other blacks, they, they called my father a sellout. But my thing is, if you think about it for a moment, if he were a sellout, I've got one question for you, only one. How in the world did you get hired as a company that wasn't hiring blacks in the first place if he were a sellout? But we don't think about that. So the other blacks went behind my father's back and filed a $70 million class action discrimination lawsuit against the company, which in turn caused panic among upper management because my father originally worked in personnel. When he worked in personnel, uh, from what I understand, he wrote the company's equal employment opportunity policy. Therefore, he knew they were breaking the law. Therefore, he had enough information to put them out of business in the U.S. Now, a lot of people were unaware of the fact that Volkswagen owns Audi, Porsche, Lamborghini, Bentley, Bugatti, that's a $19.5 million automobile. Ducati, the motorcycle company, and they even owned shares in Suzuki. So had the minorities succeeded in putting them out of business in the U.S., it would have cost the company trillions of dollars. Forget about the $70 million that they were suing for. Uh, I mean, you, you could have, you know, blew your nose with that, uh, uh, you know, from what it would have cost them if the blacks could have succeeded in putting them out of business in the U.S. So uh, from what I understand, and this is, this is actually record, recorded, court documents indicated that Volkswagen tried to blackmail my father with knowingly false information in an effort to convince him to coerce the other blacks to back out of the lawsuit. Mm. Well, that move actually had an, the opposite effect. It pissed him off, and he joined the lawsuit with the other blacks. And on the day he joined the lawsuit, he was out drinking and having, you know, fellowshipping with, with some of the guys, uh, told some, some people he was going to sell his Audi because he just purchased a Porsche. And um, he was uh, talking about, uh, you know, the $9 million that he had been uh, approved to, uh, to purchase a hotel. And family members had, told, had asked him to leave Volkswagen. Uh, prior to his death because of the death threats he was receiving on his life. And he, he told family he couldn't do it because he had people counting on him. Does this sound like someone who's suicidal to you? No, it doesn't. Now I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, acquiesce a little bit and I'm going to share a little bit about myself. I'm his oldest son. Now I didn't, I never actually met my father. Um, I never knew him uh, because my mother and father dated when they were in high school. Okay. And um, he, you know, they, they had me, my mother had me when she was just a young, uh, she, when she was pretty young. Okay. And I, I, uh, I'm not real sure of, of how the story went down, but they, they, they broke up on bad terms. And my mother was angry with my father and, 
you know, uh, she, she, she got, she had gotten another boyfriend and she told the other boyfriend that I was his child. Right. And for years, uh, you know, I've, I traveled all over the world. I've lived in, I was born in, in Pittsburgh, but I didn't live in Pittsburgh. I, I've lived, I mean, you name it, I, I, I've been there. I've, I've lived in, uh, most, most of my life I lived in New York, but uh, as most of my childhood life that is. But then I've lived overseas. I've lived in the Virgin Islands. It's kind of funny because when I came back from there, I was talking like this, my grandparents couldn't understand a word I was talking about because I picked up the accent, you know? <laughs> okay. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, just so you know, the, the thing that actually uh, intrigued me about you is uh, the Pittsburgh connection. Because I'm here in Pittsburgh, and in learning from smart people, we've had guests on from around the world, literally. And one of the things that I have committed to is making sure that we highlight the smart people that are either in or from the Pittsburgh area. So uh, coming from Pittsburgh... That's what uh, actually got you your foot in the door, so to speak, with getting on the show here. So I, I'm glad that you've got that background. So uh, continue with your story about uh, where you've been traveling around um, and tell me a little bit more about uh, your own personal experience then. Well, how I had come to know my, my, my real father because the gentleman who, who raised me for, for all the years uh, coming up, he didn't find out that he wasn't my father until I was 10. Uh, at that point, my father was still living, but we were living, yeah, myself and, and, and the gentleman I thought was my father for so long, we were living in the Philippines. He was in the Air Force. and um, uh, But he didn't tell me. I, he still uh, treated me as, as he were my father. I still call him dad for all those years. And when we came back to the States, uh, he lived in, 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 uh, in, in Maryland. And... Uh, every every week, I would fly uh, from New York on Friday, on Fridays after school. I would fly from New York to uh, to to uh, DC, and he'd pick me up from the airport, and I'd spend the weekend with him. Well, one weekend his car had broken down, so he couldn't he couldn't pick me up from the airport. And um, you, you know, my my mother was you know she had uh, told uh, him that hey you know. He wants your son wants to see you, and she was really upset. And, and he said, "You know, my car's broke down. I don't have the money to fix it. I'll get it fixed the following week." The following week had come, still no no deal. And the third week had come, and he didn't have the money. And my, my mother said, "Well, go to any dealer you want, pick out a car, and we'll just buy you one." And he he really had a fit, and my mother laid into him. You know, what kind of father are you? Your son wants to, to see you, and we're making the way. Long story short. Uh, when I had gotten on the phone with him, he told me the truth. He told me he wasn't my real father. Mm. My real father committed suicide. Wow. And I, 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 that kind of threw me for a loop. Um, but I asked my mother the, the, the truth, and she she told me the truth. And I, I said, well, what's my birth certificate say? Because at that point, I, you know, I was only 16. I had never seen my birth certificate. Sure. And she said that... Uh, my birth certificate said father unknown because back in those days when she was a kid, couldn't put the real father's name on there if you wanted to uh, get uh, help from from state. Right. So uh, I asked, I told her I wanted her to fix that. She said, you know, that's not a big deal. That's something we can fix before judge. 
Mm-hmm. So at that point, I, I, I you know, I, when I when I finished high school, I moved back to to, to Pennsylvania to Pittsburgh to find out my real father. And when I went to one of my aunts from the guy who I thought was my father for all those years, mm-hmm. I told her the truth, and she said, "I, you know, I got something I want you to see. I've been saving it for you." It was a bunch of newspaper clippings from my real father. She said, "I knew you'd find out the truth one day, so I I saved these for you." Wow. So it took me six hours to find my brothers and sisters. My, 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 my father's wife, her name was Renee, Renee Brock. She lived in Washington County, Pennsylvania. So, uh, I, I, you know, I called the house and uh, a gentleman answered the phone. I said, are you William Brock? He said, yep. I said, did you, he, I said, did your father work for Volkswagen in New Stanton, Pennsylvania? He said, yep. I said, are you standing up? He said, yep. I said, you might want to sit down for this one. Oh, wow. He said, well, what's up? Right. I said, I'm your older brother. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And uh, that one, you know, we talked for a few more minutes. And uh, we had, we hit it off pretty well, I thought, you know. Sure. And uh, then I asked him to speak. To, I asked to speak to his mother. And his mother got on the phone. And I said, I don't know if my father ever told me about you. Or, you know, told you or told you about me. And she said, he did. I said, awesome. I said, I know you, you had gotten a settlement. At this point, I, I was still under the impression, just like everyone else, that my father had committed suicide. Okay. You know what I mean? Because I didn't know the truth at right. this point. So I said, well, you know, I, I don't know if my, uh, if my father ever uh, told you about me, but I'm his oldest son. She said, he told me about you. I said, you know, based on the newspaper clippings here, I see that you had gotten some money from Volkswagen. But I don't care about the money. I just want to meet my brothers and sisters. Right. You know, because I, you know, I was all my life. I was a single child. I never had brothers and sisters. I thought it would be, you know, that'd be amazing. Right. And uh, the following day, I called back and she she asked me, you know, well, you know, why do you keep calling her? I said, whoa. I mean, just totally different attitude on me. And uh, I said, well, I, I want to meet my brothers and sisters, you know. And she said, well, I need to see proof that you're a son. Why? You know, so at that point, I, you know, I, I call my mother back, and my mother says, "Well, you know, I, um, I won't do it. I won't get the affidavit signed unless you pay for it. Why should I pay for your mistake?" So at this point, the whole world's coming down around me. I'm, you know, right. and I knew my but my father had brothers and sisters, but I didn't know where to find them because I didn't know anything about them. Okay. I didn't know anything about my father. Where was he raised? Where was he born? Where Where did he go to school? I didn't know these things. Right. So at that point. Uh, I took a job at a place called, I don't know if you remember, it was called Snaps originally. It was over on Washington Boulevard and I think Frankstown. Okay. And uh, some burger joint. And uh, I'm working with this gentleman there and I, and I said, man, you, you look familiar, man. Where are you from? And he said, Garfield. I said, man, I don't know anyone from Garfield. I said, you know, where do you hang out? And he told me the different places he hung out. And I don't know anyone from there either. I said, uh, well, uh, you know, what's your, what's your last name? And he said, Brock. And I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> I said, and, uh, did you ever have anybody in your family work for Volkswagen who committed suicide? He said, yep. I said, Oh my God. He said, what? He said, you're not going to tell me you're my long lost brother or something. I said, well, that depends on how you related to him. Right. He said, that was my uncle. I said, Nope. Then I'm not going to tell you I was your long lost brother, but I'm definitely going to tell you I'm your long lost cousin. <laughs> there you go. Wow. So- and, uh, so at that point, like you're, you're working on finding your family and everything. Let me, 
can I just kind of jump you ahead in the story a little bit? When, Certainly. Because you, you talked about before you knew the truth. What was it that made you start thinking this doesn't really add up, that there's something else going on here? I don't think that this was suicide. What what got you started thinking that direction and kind of how have you proceeded from there? Well, that actually that, 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 that happened after I met his family. Okay. My father's brothers and sisters. When, when, when he took my, my number uh, and we, we, you know, he went home to his father, uh, my cousin, that is, he asked his father, do you know his brother had another kid? And he said, yeah, I knew that. My father's family name was Bay Brother. They called him Bay Brother okay. and, because he was the baby. And from what I understand, my father's favorite sister's son was in town from D.C. And they, you know, they, those two cousins hooked up later. And, you know, he said, I, you know, I work, you know, Bay Brother has another kid. And I work with him. He took my number home to his mother, who lived in, at the time in Point Breeze. And, she, you know, she said, my brother is having other kids. You know, if, if he did, I would have known about it. That's BS. Right. And, he, you know, the son convinced her to, to, to give me a call. And back in those days, we had, we had pagers. We right. didn't have cell phones. So uh, I, I called her back, and she said, you claim to be my brother's son. I, well, I want to meet you. I said, great. What's your address? She gave me her address, and I went to her home. And I, I never forget, I knocked at the door. I was a little cocky. And her son, he answered the door. Now, he was a bodybuilder. That cockiness went out the window so fast. <laughs> right. And when I stepped into the living room, when I, you know, I stepped into the front door, uh, the, 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 my, my aunt, her jaw dropped. She said, oh, my God, you look more like my brother than his other children. Wow. She said, who is your mother? And I told her, and she said, boy, you were conceived on my couch. Your mother, your mother and father used to come spend the night all the time. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. So I asked her, I said, why would he commit suicide? And she said he didn't. And she showed me, she, you know, when my father died, they broke into his home and stole his briefcase. Okay. What they weren't aware of is that because my father was receiving those types of death threats on his life, he made copies of everything. Okay. And he gave them to different members of the family. So sure. at that point, my aunt pulled out all these, I mean, like tons of paperwork that he had collected over the years, the, the, the threats, the, the letters that he had sent to, 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 uh, uh, the, the 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 president of Volkswagen. I mean, the 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 uh, you know just a mountain of uh, of of racism that blacks endured while at that plant. And okay. she showed me, I mean, just mountains of, of paperwork. And she said, "Your father didn't commit suicide. He was murdered." Wow. That had to be so difficult for you because you're in kind of this like up and down situation, right? So you're you're finding out that you've got this family that you really weren't aware of. You're starting to make connections with that family. Then that falls apart, and then you, you find out, okay, now you're making some new connections. And in making those new connections, you find out everything that you had kind of started to learn about your dad isn't actually the, the case. How are you feeling at that point, man? At that point, man, I'm I'm just first of all, I was I was amazed because you know my my father was such a genius. You know, I, I learned that he graduated from high school at 16 years old with a 4.0 GPA. 
he went to, to college in a full academic scholarship, graduated from college at 21 with a full point of GPA. He was, he was amazing. So it was, it was, you know, it was amazing learning. My father was like the Martin Luther King of his day. Okay. And, and, and I never forget, uh, uh, I'd, I'd spent, you know, I'd stayed over, over my aunt's house. So, I mean, I must've got there about eight o'clock at night and it was about two, three in the morning we had finished uh, going through all the paperwork and talking and, you know, just learning about one another. And she told me that, you know, that I could sleep on the couch um, for the night instead of trying to figure out how to, you know, catch a jitney and go home. Right. So uh, I, I laid on the floor and there was a light coming from the hallway. Um, and I thought to myself, what if this guy really isn't my father? What if this is all just, you know, just uh, a bunch of, under just another story, just a bunch of BS. And i never forget, I heard a voice from around the corner, just as plain as I'm talking to you right now. And that voice said, you are my son, and I love you, and don't you ever forget that. Wow. That spooked me. I actually got up and went around the corner like, hello? Yeah. <laughs> Who's there? <laughs> sure. And uh, at that point, it created a hunger in me to, to to get to the bottom of to get to the real facts of 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 why people didn't look into the the the, the true statement. Because it was my father. The, the bullet they say he committed suicide. What they failed to mention is that he was left-handed. Okay. He was shot in the back of the right side of his head. Okay, that's physically impossible to do. The bullet entered just above his right ear and exited the top of his head. So the trajectory of the bullet just, you know, anyone could have laid a gun near his body and said he committed suicide. Sure. What research had been done? So there was an alleged suicide note found near his body. Okay. And uh, I, I had taken it to uh, the same gentleman who, 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 who analyzed the Zodiac killers, right? Okay. And, you know, based on the, 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 the mountain of documents that my aunt had given me over the years, uh, you know, I had plenty of, 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 of uh, paperwork with his hand, with his handwriting on it, his real handwriting. Okay. And I had to analyze and it's not his handwriting. That, and that gentleman's willing to prove in court, willing to, willing to testify in court. It's not his. Right. But so. no one wants to reopen the case. And I, I must admit that, you know, I, I was talking to, uh, Bird Brown, who was the attorney for the Black Caucus um, in, in, in Pittsburgh. And he told me flat out, he said, you better leave this case alone before what happened to your father happens to you. Wow. And I told him, well, if he committed, if he committed suicide, that's not going to happen to me. <laughs> sure. And he, he told me flat out, you and I both know your father didn't commit suicide. Okay. Well, if he did, then if he, if he didn't, then why, why didn't you do something about it? Right. Because here's the thing. If if the blacks backed out of the lawsuit after my father's uh, murder, after his demise, they backed out of the lawsuit. That would have been the time to press forward because they can't kill us all. Because now, they, if they did, the FBI would have to come in and look. What? Yeah, unless you had a a, a massive uh, suicide thing where it just seemed like everybody kept committing suicide that was part of that pact and that or that that was part of that lawsuit. And you and I both know that that's going to be something that definitely raises eyebrows and raises suspicions. Exactly. 
you know, and I, I've got some friends who work for alphabet agencies. Uh, and for those of you who don't know what an, al- what an alphabet agency is, that's FBI, CIA, FBI, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and I was told flat out that the reason why this case isn't being examined is because we don't have enough people talking about it. Sure. So I've created a website over the years, um, you know, and, and steps that I've taken, things that I've done. And I've, I've gone to the NAACP. I've gone to uh, Black Lives Matter. I've gone to, hell, I've written to, 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 to Denzel Washington, to, 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 uh, to, to different uh, uh, actors and actresses. I've written to, to Barack Obama, and I can't get help. I don't understand it. Wow. Any idiot with half a brain could look at this case and see that he, he was murdered. Sure. What? I, I don't think you're an idiot, and I don't think you got half a brain, but I think you figured it out. So I'll give you, <laughs> give you credit for that. Listen, we're, we're starting to run short on time. I, what we're talking about is the fact that back in the 70s, there, there was racial issues, and you know, there was the, at least the beginning of an attempt to do something about it. That's why Volkswagen allegedly brought your dad in in the first place is to, to help with racism. Okay, um, we find out that what happens, whatever the reasons are, that in the 1980s, it's still a problem. What we're looking at today with Black Lives Matter and all of that, it's still a problem today. What would you say is the, the next thing that, what do we need to do as a nation to address this, the issue of racism, and um, how do we move forward from here? Great question. Um, I would believe, I, I think that the, the, the reason why racism exists in, 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 in and not just, not just racism, but the, 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 the I don't think that we, we, we attack the problem. Marching doesn't, doesn't affect anything. You know, we need to get involved. We need to, we need to, we need to, what I mean by get involved is, you know, a, a lot of people are under the impression that if we vote for whomever we want to have in office, that they'll do it for us. It doesn't work that way. You know, if we vote and get them in office, the next step is we need to find out how can we ourselves participate in the process of change. You know, what if, let's say, uh, I don't know, uh, myself, T.W., Robert, and Robert, who's your best friend? Give me a first name. My best friend's Dave. Dave. Let's say me, you, and Dave are standing out, outside of, I don't know, on Franktown, and the goal is to get across the street from one sidewalk to the other. And you and I say to Dave, Dave, we're going to pay you a dollar a minute to get us across the street. Dave says, bet, done deal, I got your back. He's now the elected official. So 10 minutes goes by, and you and I give Dave 20 bucks. That's a dollar a minute. But we don't move. In fact, he doesn't move, right? Another right. 10 minutes goes by, we give him another 20 bucks. He still doesn't move. In fact, he pulls out his cell phone and starts texting his old lady. 10, 20, 10, 20. Now, you and I are looking at each other and saying to ourselves, what's wrong with this fool? He's not doing anything, right? right? 10, 20, 10, 20. Now we've, got, we've had enough. So we these ridiculous signs made up. We go marching in front of his house chanting, the people united will never be defeated, but we're steady paying him an income. Hell, right. if I were him, I wouldn't move either. Now, let's take it from a different perspective. TW is elected, right? And I grabbed the both of you by the hand. And I begin to pull 
but then I'm hearing things from you guys like, well, I'm not really into politics. That's not my thing. You know, I, I, you know, you get us across the street, TW. That's that's what you, we pay you to do. But you're not participating in us going across the street, right? It would be the equivalent of me wrapping my arms around a tree, trying to pull a tree across the street. It won't happen. Right. Faith. I'm sorry for those who those of us who are Christians out here listening. Faith. The Bible says, without works, is dead. We have to get involved. So if we say to our politicians, what steps would you like me to take to, to help you achieve the goal of getting us across the street? No, I, then we'll, we'll, begin, we'll begin to move. Yep. And only then. You know, it, I actually, I just did an episode about change recently. And one of the songs that I referenced in there, because I... I was born in 72, so I grew up in the 80s. One of the songs that I mentioned in there was Michael Jackson's I'm Starting with the Man in the Mirror. That's where it's all got to start. Uh, change starts with me. I, That's TW, right. TW, I, listen, I really appreciate you being on the show. I, the name of your website, again, is? Justice for Brock. Okay. Justice, I, and, and then F-O-R. This is not the word for, it's not the, uh, the number for, but okay. the word for F-O-R. Brock.com. Beautiful. Folks, go check that out. Uh, listen, TW. And remember, like, folks, if, if, you, if you're still listening, remember, every blue word on that website is a hyperlink. So you click on the blue words to go into your details. There are threats on company letterhead on that website. There, sure. are, there, there, there are all kinds of, uh, there's all kinds of information that my father, uh, 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 he didn't take it to the grave. It's right there available on the website so everybody can see it. Fantastic. I encourage you, if this has been something that's of interest to you, it's, it's piqued your curiosity, go check out the website. It is justice for that is F-O-R, Brock.com. And I'll make sure and I'll put that in our show notes. T.W., you have been very kind. I appreciate your time being on today. You have shown that you are smart. I have learned from you about what's going on. But now it's time for my favorite part of the show. It's time for three questions to establish your humanity. You ready for this, my friend? Come on with it. All right. First question is, uh, what is your favorite way to spend a weekend? Reading. I enjoy reading because reading always strengthens um, my ability to learn. Okay. And you have segued right into my next question as what book have you either just recently uh, completed or are you in the middle of reading right now? Um, recently completed. Uh, I, <laughs> I've actually completed a few different books. Uh, I actually re- went back and reread um, uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Okay. Beautiful. Uh, and then last, this one is super easy, my friend. What's your favorite ice cream topping? Whipped cream. <laughs> Don't go. it makes me, I gotta watch it because I don't want to get big. <laughs> that works. Hey, TW, thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing your story. I, I hope that this is something that uh, is going to be beneficial to you. And, and I, listen, I'd, I'd love to see what happens with this case, what you're able to accomplish with it. I wish you nothing but the best of luck. And again, thanks for being on the show. I, everybody that's listened, I appreciate it. I encourage you to subscribe to the show. Leave us a review. You want to get in contact with us, visit the show website at learningfromsmartpeople.com. And I will remind you, as always, when you stop learning, 
you stop living. Have a great day, everybody.